guys this is the 3d dynasty podcast on the sports gambling podcast network brought to you by edge boost edge boost enables you to double your bet with no interest go to sports gambling podcast.com edge and get started today and today we're going to talk about the nfc east i take my video down we're all, <laughs> That's all right. we're going to talk about the nfc east we're going to talk about the giants the eagles the cowboys and the commanders Brad, uh, was there something today that the Commanders could possibly look at? I heard, yeah, I heard some rumors that maybe their copyright didn't quite go through the way they expected. So there's a chance that they may be changing their name again. I don't know if that's fake news or if it's the real deal or what. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going around now, you know, with, with football in general that may or may not be the truth. So take it with a grain of salt. Well, Adam Schefter hit him this week, and uh, he 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 retweeted somebody that said this is a mid franchise. <laughs> so um, that person blew up on Twitter this week because Adam Schefter maybe accidentally, maybe on purpose, but the commanders are mid franchise. Got retweeted by about a million people. <laughs> yeah. Shots fired from Schefter. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to recap the entire offseason for each of the NFC East teams, coaching moves, offseason changes, and we're also going to go through Mike Clay's projections because we want to make sure that you guys just have an idea of what's expected this year, and then we're going to give you our take on it, whether we think it's, you know, too low, too high, or as uh, you know, the Goldilocks would say, it's just right. But make sure that before anything, you guys know that we are giving away a Lamar Jackson jersey. All you do is go and give us a five-star review for a free entry for the contest. Any likes, subscribes, you know, subscribes and con- comments uh, really does show you know show us some love and helps appreciate uh, show appreciation to the show. And as always, hit that subscriber button. Hit that subscriber button. All right, let's get into the Washington Commanders. They um, got a quarterback battle going on for who is the worst quarterback in fantasy football. Is it going to be Jacoby Brissett coming in ranked 33rd or Sam Howell at 32nd? They are going to be the – there's only 32 teams, and they're going to have the 32nd and 33rd best. Um I was on a show yesterday, and I had to put my quarterbacks in tiers. I had an elite tier, and I had a below average, elite, good, great, below average, below average, and bad. And I had like five people in the bad category, and two of them play for the Washington Commanders, and that's Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. I think Brissett's a, probably a, a decent, you know, starter, but he, he's, you know, you don't know you got in him, and he's not going to do anything for fantasy football purposes. And Sam Howell, I mean. The hope is that maybe he rushes the ball a little bit and gets some upside. He did look good in his one start last year. Brad, what are your thoughts here about Sam Howell getting uh, 2,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 150 on the ground, 1 touchdown? I mean, do you think this is a good projection, or do you think that he takes the job all year? Because I know people that do. Yeah, so this is part of my problem with some of these projections is it's this isn't really a projection. It's a, well, I don't know who the starter is going to be, so I'm just going to pick one. And instead of picking one, I'm going to break them in half and just say, hey, one person is going to start half the season. The other person is going to start the other half of the season. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more bold here. And I think they might just roll with Jacoby Brissett as that as crazy as that sounds, but I think Jacoby Brissett proved last season that he could be a viable starter or a viable bridge quarterback for a, a, a franchise. And, I, you know, does the team know what they have in Sam Howell? Do they want to see what they have in Sam Howell? Look, 
the reality of the situation is Sam Howell was a day three pick and it's his second season in the NFL. Jacoby Brissett coming off quite possibly his best statistical season to date, showing that he could win games with a good football team around him. Uh, I think prove that, hey, look, Sam, you're going to have to take this job for me in Washington and I'm going to be the starting quarterback. And look, it's possible Sam Howell before his his junior season in North Carolina was projected to be a first-round quarterback, right? Then he loses De'Ami Brown. He loses Javante Williams. He loses Michael Carter. He loses his offensive line. And as everyone kind of didn't expect for whatever reason, even with the loss of all those assets, he played pretty poorly his junior season and fell to the fifth round. I believe he was taken in the fifth round. Fifth round. So. Yeah, so I think Jacoby Brissett's going to get I, – I project him to be the guy. And in the grand scheme of things, I don't think this team thinks they're in a win-now mindset. So are they going to go out and try to make a quarterback change halfway through the season? I, I just don't see it because I don't believe they think Sam Howell is the guy. So I think Brissett has it the whole season, and then they, they look to the position. So I, in the just draft. a quick – Quick response, because I think we've already gone over our time limit for the quarterbacks of Washington. Um, Sam Howell, you're in a draft. You you know need a third quarterback. Someone offers you, uh, says, hey, um, give me 208, and I'll give you Sam Howell. No, I'm so, not giving a second-round pick for Sam Howell. Uh, 301 for Sam Howell. No. 301 for Brissett. No. So, all right. Uh, let's go on. Would you guys. give up a third for any of those guys? No. All right. All right. They, they were sure in, it was, yeah, I had uh, like Baker Mayfield and these guys were in my bad territory. <laughs> um, so uh, um, going on to the running backs, you know, this was an interesting backfield last year. Um, Antonio Gibson fans were just beside themselves as he was doing kick blocking duties on the field goal team and whatever he was doing. The team just doesn't seem to like him very, um, very much noticeable last year. Brian Robinson got shot and Antonio Gibson was kind of forced into um, the main role, but JD McKissick was still there. McKissick has a neck injury. He may never play football again, unfortunately. And Antonio Gibson ended up finishing the season off pretty well. Brian Robinson was also there. Robinson was okay, but mainly just produced on the ground, nothing in the receiving. So they have them at 34 and 35, not a single RB2 in this group. Brad, I know you like Gibson. What do you think about these projections? It hurts, but I think it's just the writing is on the wall from what you saw from Washington the last couple seasons as they started to kind of move away and distance themselves from Antonio Gibson. I still wholeheartedly believe he is clearly the best running back on this roster. I don't think it's even close, uh, but I don't, I, you know, it makes sense to me that Brian Robinson's going to lead the team in carries. It makes sense to me that Antonio Gibson's going to get the targets. What I hope for is that those targets amount to a little bit more than they did last season because while he ended the season with good total numbers of targets it was a, it was a very consistent it was like three catches damn near every week right which hey that's a great floor right but you weren't seeing that explosion and i think a lot of that had to do with maybe scott turner and the way he was calling plays and you hope that maybe eric bianami can bring some explosiveness to this offense and let antonio gibson you know flourish in it but uh it makes sense to me what the projections are right now i hope we are all wrong because i love antonio gibson but i think the ship might have sailed and we <laughs> we need to move on unfortunately yeah, and I'm going to recap their offseason here in a second. Uh, but we have we have to tell you about we have to tell you about our friends over at Edge Boost. Brad, tell us about Edge Boost. Hey, we are supported by Edge Boost, and they are the world's first bet now. That's right, bet now. 
However, you can pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool. That's right. You heard it. Advances. And imagine what you can do when you can use those advances and increase your bankroll. Get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. And guess what? You can even double down on a favorite bet you like or even use create an awesome middle or hedge bet. Edge Boost is not some sleazy loan shark. We talked about advances here and increasing your bankroll, tying up your bankroll. But look, this isn't the same thing because they charge 0% interest. That's right. Zero. Big old fat donut. So do you know a way that you can access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest? Because I don't. I don't think anybody else does. But Edge Boost can be a part of the responsible gambling plan as you can set up daily, weekly, or even monthly limits across all of your betting accounts, all from one location. So be sure to support us here at SGPN and in the process, grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Again, you must be 21 or older to use. And if you have a problem gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, if you want to put you know put a bet down that Washington is the worst team in football this year, then you can do that and not have to spend your money now. You can use Edge Boost to do that for you. And uh, just so you know, I do have an article out, and they are top five in odds for being the worst team in football this year. I think plus 1,000. Um, not bad odds for a team that looks pretty bad on paper, and also um, you know, the quarterback situation is a mess. But let's recap their offseason. I apologize I didn't do that. Eric Bieniemy, the big change. Scott Turner out. Eric Bieniemy in at the offensive coordinator position. Then as far as the, uh, the the draft, they got a B from PFF. Emmanuel Forbes in the first round. Then they got Jartavius Martin in, in the second round. Cornerback and then a safety. Uh, yeah, we did talk about that, Nate. What's up, man? Um, then we had Ricky Stromberg, a center. Then we had Braden Daniels, a tackle. So they got corner safety tackle, O tackle, and then they got KJ Henry, and then they got Chris Rodriguez, who's not on the board, which I think he should be, and then Andre uh, Andre Jones, which is an edge out of Army, and then um, you know looking at their you know looking at what they did in the off season, they got Jacoby Brissett, they got Kobe Barton, which is a linebacker, Abdullah Anderson, D lineman, Cameron Dantzler, corner. They got Nick Gates, corner, Marcus Kemp, wide receiver, Trent Scott, Andrew Wiley, and Drew Himmelman, all tackles. So you can tell they really wanted to go after the offensive line and the secondary. Threw a ton of resources at that. And then, of course, you had Jacoby Brissett, and you had your the rest of your pieces. So let's go into the receivers. This is a fun group. It's just really difficult because – of the situation. And so um, as far as Terry McLaurin, he's the top guy and they have him projected to still be the top guy. Very similar numbers to, um, to DJ Moore. Um, 75 receptions on 120 targets, 1,004 yards, more yardage than uh, Moore, but less touchdowns. Moore had seven touchdowns. Terry McLaurin has four for t- PPR 25, 200 points. Brad, thoughts on Terry McLaurin? Um, you know, is he is he a buy? Is he a sell? What are you doing? Yeah, I actually like all these guys, and you can probably get. And I say all; oh, I'm really targeting Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, but I think you can get both of them at a pretty reasonable discounted price right now because of the quarterback situation. Now, Terry McLaurin is a little bit older because he came out of college a little bit older. Uh, but he's he's a polished guy. He's got the speed that can help out as well, and I think he's clearly the alpha in the offense. Uh, so I, I'm yes, I like both of these guys. Jahan Dotson is really my go-to right now because I think he's the cheaper out of the two, and I think he just has some superior upside. And at the price that you can get him right now, he's definitely a guy I'm targeting in a lot of dynasty leagues. Uh, in rebuild type situations and hell really even in uh, competing. Cause if you think about what his, his performance was at the beginning of the season before he got hurt, it was, it was legitimate. 
He had a ton of touchdowns through those first four weeks. Now, I know that's not necessarily sustainable. It was something outrageous. But even when he came back, he looked good. So I I think both of these guys are definite buys to me and going to be longtime uh, assets for the Washington Commanders. Yeah, and Jahan Dotson, he's an interesting guy because he was kind of like he was a first-round pick and people just didn't, didn't even care. He was a mid second, late second round pick last last year. And um now he's you know, he's still out there as, you know, a wide receiver three. Um, you know, Curtis Samuel, he had he had some pretty good games last year. I mean, you look at Curtis Samuel's 2022 and T. Higgins 2022, and it's very similar, Brad. Um, but when you look at at Terry McLaurin Did you just say that? This look at it. Not a chance. Go back, and we'll do it after the show. Look at it. I threw a blind screen up there, and and people were like, Steve Higgins, it's Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel had had some pretty good games. Um, Terry McLaurin for a, we'll say a mid-second, Brad. Oh, yeah, I'd take Terry McLaurin over that mid-second all day. Jahan Dotson for a mid-second. All day. Curtis Samuel for a mid-third. Yeah. And with Sam Howell slash Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. And this is the, this is that kind of, this is what gets you excited about. This is, all right. I can understand dynasty managers who get a little excited. I don't want to get crazy, but are like, hey, I think Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett, whoever the starter is, is going to be somewhat usable for fantasy. And that's because, Look at what's around them. They have a pass-catching running back in Antonio Gibson. They have a bruiser in Brian Robinson. They have a deep threat in Terry McLaurin. They have a guy who can catch anything thrown his way in Jahan Dotson. They have a, God, I hate saying it, but a trick play kind of guy in Curtis Samuel. They've got a slew of dudes at the tight end position, none of which get you excited, but we've seen Logan Thomas be productive in the past. So there are weapons and pieces around the quarterback position that can allow them to be successful. The one caveat is that offensive line has to come together. If the offensive line does not come together, it doesn't matter how good these guys are, the quarterbacks aren't going to be able to respond. Yeah, and that's the hard part. So, like, Curtis Samuel could be a sneaky play this year, but, I mean, you have the guy dealing the cards is possibly Sam Howell, possibly Jacoby Brissett. I just don't see them being able to support all these guys. And so, like, are you going to be able to consistently play either of them? Like, let's be honest. Like, when Carson Wentz was on on the field, these guys were pretty damn good for fantasy football. You know, I joked around about the Curtis Samuel, like, Curtis Samuel was a good player at the beginning of the season. But when Taylor Heineke played, Curtis Samuel was not good. And then he got hurt. But you're looking at you're looking at Sam Howell not being able to produce, you know, a wide receiver two is what Mike Clay is saying. And then Curtis Samuel's down in the 64 range. I mean, we saw uh, and we've talked a lot about him, so I'll make this quick. We saw Jacoby Brissett support two guys last season if you look at David and Joku at the first half of the season really good numbers from a tight end perspective as well as Amari Cooper and all the touchdowns that he got so Jacoby Brissett can move the ball methodically down the field and I think that's going to relate to where you've got two guys what two out of this you got to decide and I think most likely it's McLaurin and Dotson but I think you're going to see two guys that can produce much better numbers than what you're seeing yeah. Now, and speaking about producing, I, we need to talk about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. If you don't know about Underdog Fantasy, just shoot me a DM at Dynasty Dorks to play it every day. Uh, we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes, plus plenty of ways to win NBA, NHL, and MLB with their player props. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. For a 100% deposit bonus up to $100, that's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. So let's talk about the, the tight end real quick. Logan Thomas, I'm not interested. Coming off of injury, older, let's move on. We got other teams to cover, and we are we are way over time. Seto, we'll say. 
Yeah, no interest. There's there's not a lot of not a lot of need to uh, talk about that. So let's go into Sean's Eagles. They had a very very good offseason, but they also lost a lot lost a lot of pieces. And so something I was thinking about today, Brad, and I'm not trying to stir up the Eagles fans, but the Super Bowl hangover has been real. And one of the reasons it's real is because your team gets picked apart. The Eagles lost Javon Hargrave. They lost Shane Steichen. They lost Jonathan Gannon. They lost uh, the guard, starting right guard, Samala. They lost, uh, they lost a couple linebackers. They, they lost C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They lost a lot of pieces. And this was a very efficient, very productive offense last year. Could we possibly see some progression or some regression from an offense that was one of the best in the league is going to have a tougher schedule this year and has a whole list of new play callers. I think that's the big one is the play callers on both the defensive and the offensive side of the ball. And I think what that's going to relate to is a little bit of a slump at the beginning of the season, right? I still think there is not a team that's even remotely close to the talent level that the Philadelphia Eagles have on either on really both sides of the ball. While they, yeah, lost some guys, they also added DeAndre Swift on the offensive side of the ball. They kept Darius Slay on the as a cornerback. They added Nolan Smith. They added Jalen Carter. They added some high-profile, high-talent young guys that can learn behind some of these really freaking good guys that they have like Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. So I think this is a recipe for success. Like I said, first four, five, six games, maybe we see a little bit of learning curve because of the differences in philosophy and some new pieces, but they are clearly the most talented team, in my opinion, in the NFC, and we're going to see them dominate throughout the season. All right, so we're going to give you the full recap. They added Terrell Edmonds and Justin Evans at safety, uh, Marcus Mariota at corner at quarterback. They got uh, Nicholas Morrow at linebacker, Rashad Penny at running back, Catavius uh, Sweat or Street at D lineman, Greedy Williams at corner. They added Alameda Zacchaeus at receiver, and DeAndre Swift. Offseason grade was an A. Then they, they have the draft, and you know they definitely were one of the big winners in the draft. DeAndre Swift was basically a fifth-round draft pick. They got Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen. Tyler Steen's an offensive tackle from the uh, from Alabama, right tackle. They got Sidney Brown, safety from Illinois. Uh, Keely Ringo uh, is, is a Georgia corner. They got Tanner McKee, quarterback, and they got Maury Ajamo, uh, defensive lineman from Texas. They got an A plus from PFF for that. So let's look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, I'm a little surprised, and this is coming from the person that completely ate his words last year about the passing. The passing volume is not as high as I expected. I know it's 15 games, so I'll take that in consideration. But 22 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, um, 3,500 yards. It gives them a little over about 4,200 yards total on the, on the year. 12 rushing touchdowns is massive. So you're looking at a combined 34 touchdowns, but 12 of them are coming on the ground. Only 22 in the year are QB three, Brad, anything else for Jalen hurts? I mean, this dude's a stud. I think this is a little low. Now, I, I, you know, we talked about the changes at the offensive coordinator position, right? But the key is that their offensive coordinator and Brian Johnson was the quarterback's coach last year. So there will be some level of continuity there. It's just the play calling. Is he going to stick with that more aggressive type of play calling? Um, so I'd love to see Jalen Hurts and that passing touchdown number and that passing yardage number go up a little bit. And I think the big thing for that is Dallas Goddard. I look at Dallas Goddard's numbers and those seem way too low to me. I see Dallas Goddard as a top five tight end, quite possibly a top three tight end from a statistical perspective. If you look at the games before he was hurt, he was on fire. He was on fire. And it's. Go- I think it's going to be more of the same with this offense. 
Um, it hurts to see what's on the screen, but I'm going to hold my thoughts on that one. So, yeah, I, I think Jalen hurts, uh, does more passing, uh, passing work than what's on here. Yep. And last year, I mean, they almost got themselves into some trouble at the end of the season when they got him banged up. And so I don't think they're going to take the rushing away from him, but I do think they're going to put him out of harm's way. And, you know, when you use your running back, like a, your quarterback, like a running back or a fullback, that is a scary situation. And they just paid him a lot of money. And so that does change things. And they weren't as good with Gardner Minshew. They, they were not. And so um, at the end of the year, they need to make sure this guy's playing ball when they get to the playoffs, because this is a Super Bowl winning team and they're playing for the Super Bowl. And if Jalen Hurts goes down, that, that can change real quick. Marcus Mariota is just not going to do the same things. Let's move on to the running backs. Got a comment already. Nathan, our guy, talking about Penny over Swift. And my comment is, is well, who's going to stay healthier? These are two guys that have both struggled to stay healthy for their entire career. I think they're both very good running backs. Penny, ironically, has better draft capital. But they're both very good running backs. And... um this is a great offense that you know they should play well in, but I, I do think they're probably going to eat into each other's production. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I mean it makes sense, and most teams are moving to that. They don't. Uh, most teams don't have a single running back that carries all or a large bulk of the load. Those are very few and far between in today's NFL. So when you look, do I hope Swift has more carries than Penny? Yes. Could I see a world where Penny has more carries like what Mike Clay is projecting? Absolutely. But Penny's coming off a much more significant injury than what DeAndre Swift is. So I just, I don't know that that's going to be the case. They're definitely going to split that running back work. But the key is all of the passing work going to Swift. The downside is that Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott thing was very irritating for those of us that owned Miles Sanders last year when they get inside the five-yard line and all of a sudden Boston Scott's the guy or Kenny Gainwell's the guy. And you're like, what the hell is happening? So you hope that Brian Johnson doesn't have that attribute of Shane Steichen in him. And he says, you know what? The guys that we paid to bring in, whether it be Rashad Penny or the draft capital that we traded for Swift, we're going to give these guys the work because they're the better options at the goal line, so on and so forth. So I think Swift is going to have the higher finish just because of that pass catching work. Uh, but I want to see those touchdown numbers really for both of them kind of rise up a little bit. Yeah. And you got, you know, Jalen Hurts and Marcus Mariota could siphon some off some rushing touchdowns away as well. Um, and Boston Scott will get his one touchdown against the giants when they play. I just, whatever. Um, so AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, they did not add. I mean, I kind of thought they could, and they had a bevy of picks. They could have added another receiver, and it would have been like, kind of like, oh gosh, they added JSN, or oh god, they added Quentin Johnston. But they could have, and you know, you look at Jonathan Mingo would have been a nice fit there in the slot. Um, there's a lot of things they could have done here. They didn't, and so this is a team that has two elite receivers but nothing really behind it. And Brad, it's funny. We've been going through a lot of different teams and there is a lot of teams with like two receivers in the top 15, the Bengals, the dolphins, the Eagles. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are projected of two guys in top 15, which means there's a lot of teams that don't have anybody in the top 15. I know my giants don't um, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, big years last year, very similar production on the board. If, if you draft in this year, which one? I'm taking Devonta Smith just because you get him cheaper. And I, I do agree their production is going to be very similar. And I, I'm just in any situation like that where this production is going to be similar, I'm going to take the cheaper of the two. Uh, and Devonta Smith is just that guy right now. Yeah. And the reason you would take AJ Brown higher, obviously, is because you don't think it's going to be, you know, going to be similar. Right. Um, no one else worried about in the receiver room. Dallas Goddard, kind of touching him already. Uh, so Dallas Goddard, 639 yards, four touchdowns, tight end eight. Um, what you, you said earlier, you think this is going to be this is a low projection? 
Yeah, and this is the one concern I have for Devonta Smith, right? If you look, Dallas Goddard, like I said, was on fire. And and Devonta Smith had a couple really good games in there when Goddard was healthy. But when Goddard went out weeks 10 through 15, that's when Devonta Smith, you know, was a little more consistent in nature. So what does that look like in this offense? Does Goddard keep that profile and jump up a little bit? Uh, which will move Devonta Smith down a smidge. So that is a concern I do have just a little bit about it, but still not enough to really move me off of Devonta Smith just yet. Yeah, I was going to say that earlier. I mean, Devonta Smith is definitely one of those guys. The end of the year production was really good, but how did he get there? And it was, you know, kind of all over the place. Um, let's let's move on to the next team here, sir. All right. Let me your giants. Let me play some underdog real quick. Um, <laughs> so, all right, look at the Giants and the Giants. What do they want to do? They they wanted to become a a faster team. So this year, you're looking for a faster pace pace of play and more burst. So what did they do? They kept a lot of their receivers, but they added some some real firepower to that offense. Um, and then they had the big signing of Daniel Jones, but they're this is what they did in free agency. They got an A from PFF, Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder, J.C. Hosnar. He's a center. Bobby McCain, safety. You have uh, Nunez Rochez, defensive lineman. Bobby Okariki, very good linebacker from the Colts. You have yep. Imani Orawe as a corner. Ashawn Robinson, run stuffer. Jeff Smith, receiver, Tommy Sweeney, tight end, Darren Waller via trade, basically Kadarius Tony for Darren Waller straight up, um, and then Leonard Johnson, a tall corner, and then the Giants in the draft got an A-plus from PFF. Deontay Banks in the first round, John Peter Piper Michael Schmitz in the second round. It was Daniel Jeremiah's number two corner, uh, number two center, um, Jalen Hyatt, Receiver in the third round, Eric Gray in the fifth round, Trey Hawkins corner in the sixth, Jordan Riley in the seventh, and Jarvarius Owens a safety in the um, in the seventh round. And they got that uh, uh, Bryce Wheaton that tore up the combine as Bryce one of their Ford UDFAs. Wheaton. Yeah, one of their uh, UDFAs. And so Daniel Jones really had a breakout season last year, and you know with Daniel Jones. You didn't see a lot of passing. There really was not a lot of people to pass to. But you saw a whole lot of rushing. And what you really like to see as a Giants fan was there wasn't a whole lot of turnovers. And that's been the big bugaboo with Daniel Jones. He's been injured a lot and then a lot of turnovers. But even his rookie year, he flashed some upside. His rookie year, he had several games where he finished as a QB1. His first game ever, he was the QB1 overall. And a huge monster comeback against Tampa Bay. Um, it's not always been roses with Daniel Jones. And so there's not, not everybody's, um, not everybody's a believer. But this year, you know, after the top 10 quarterbacks, it's really a mixed bag of guys. And Daniel Jones is one of the guys that offers some rushing upside that others don't. In this projection, 20 touchdowns. He has in the, in the air four touchdowns in the on the ground, and then he has almost 4,000 total yards in 15 games. QB 15. What are your thoughts here, Brad? Daniel Jones over or under QB 15? Over. Over. This is trust in Brian DeBall. Um, I think you see the touchdown to interception ratio uh, rise a little bit. So I think you're going to see more than 20 touchdowns closer to his rookie numbers around that 24. And I think you're going to see that interception numbers really stay around where it was last season uh, because it's the same offense. You've got some better weapons in there um, and you still have the stud running back in Saquon Barkley. So would that be under 15? No, he's over 15, I think. So over like higher than 15 or lower than 15? He's going to finish better than QB 15. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just checking from a numerical value. Yes, he's lower, but I don't. He is a top twelve quarterback in my opinion. Uh, come into season rankings because of that touchdown to interception ratio, and when you couple that with the rushing upside that he has, I just think he's got too many things working in his 
uh, corner to really drive those numbers up a little bit. Just had to double check. And and then yep. so Saquon Barkley has has not actually signed his contract with the Giants. That situation still looming. It's expected that he's going to sign. The Giants and him have gone back and forth on a contract, and it sounds like it's pretty close, but he wants Christian McCaffrey kind of money, and he's not played like Christian McCaffrey, and he's missed a lot more games than, than, than most running backs. So the Giants are not willing to give him that, but they have offered pretty substantial amounts. Sounds like the team could be close very soon. Barkley. You're looking at 1,500 all-purpose yards, 12 touchdowns, and QB or running back four overall, and he's getting the bulk of the work, the bulk of the work. And as a dynasty a dynasty manager, it's a little scary, but as a fantasy football manager, that is beautiful because not a lot of running backs are going to get 300 touches. So, Brad, what are your thoughts on Saquon Barkley? Uh, he's someone right now that – anywhere between RB3 and RB6 on the dynasty rankings. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm a true believer in it. I think this guy is going to be the stud. He's going to get that second contract after this season, and that's what he's out for, right? He's in a, a contract year, essentially, even though he's on that one-year franchise deal. This is where this is how he proves what he needs to get paid. So he's going to come out in force, I believe, have one of the better seasons that he's had, and there's no looking back there. And you look at the, the rest of the backfield. So if you have Barkley and you're looking for the handcuff, what are you thinking here? You look at Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, and Eric Gray. Eric Gray, nine close for me. Uh, yeah, Gary Brightwell has not proven anything to me. Matt Breida, yeah, but he's been jumping around all over the place. Uh, I think Gray, and we talked about him it, during the offseason pre-draft. Uh, he's a guy that has the three down, the full three-down skill set and, uh, you know, is a little underrated at, coming out of Oklahoma. So I think coming out of camp, he could potentially be the just clear backup in, in totality for Saquon. Yeah, and, you know, Saquon owners, you know, close your ears, but Eric Gray has a very good pass-catching skill set, and so he could siphon off some of those targets, and they don't have him projected for much, but I, I think he could offer a, a nice role in that. Um, he's not as, as explosive as a runner uh, as Breida um, or Barkley, but he is a very good pass-catcher, and he's a well-rounded running back. He's graded as a top 10 per PFF at running and receiving last year, only two running backs in the entire class. Him and Zach Charbonnet. Look at the receivers. My guy, Isaiah Hodgins, up there as the number one guy. This guy did not drop a pass in the 80 targets that he received last season. And he only played with the Giants basically the second half of the season. He was their go-to guy in the playoff game against Minnesota. And he showed up. He scored a touchdown. He had some big third-down conversions. He was a big piece of that offense and everybody jokes around about how the giants are the you know the receiving core is the smurfs bunch of midgets isaiah hodgins is not a midget no that dude's tall this is yeah. a big dude he's three six two ten uh or six three two ten uh so he's you know <laughs> big dude three six uh so he's six three two ten and they got him projected i'm looking at this three touchdowns um for, for 42 receptions, 411 yards, three touchdowns. Essentially the same production all the way down the line. Campbell, Robinson, Shepard, and Slayton. And I just I just don't see it. I don't think Sterling Shepard's going to play that much. He's had two major injuries. Major injuries. And I just think that it's going to be too much. Um, I think the Giants have a receiver much better than 85. And I think Isaiah Hodgins is, is a guy that I think you can acquire for nothing in your in your drafts and you know he could be an offer wide receiver three upside Jalen Hyatt second round what are your thoughts here uh, you think Jalen Hyatt has a better season than Mike Clay's projecting uh yeah I think so because of the competition around you talked about Sterling Shepard I'm gonna you know I think of Darius Slayton in a similar mindset right a guy that just hasn't been really been able to stay healthy an entire season and yet we're projecting him for 15 games so you bump those two guys down move Jalen Hyatt up and then there's really just some flexibility there where 
I think to your point, Isaiah Hodgins is going to kind of separate himself. I am a true believer of Paris Campbell. Uh, we hope Wondell Robinson returns to form, but Jalen Hyatt's going to be closer to what I believe that Sterling Shepard number is. He's going to be in that 50 to 60 targets in his rookie season. He's too explosive of a player in a Brian DeBall offense, which it sounds like I'm saying the same thing over and over again, that you can't not give this guy an opportunity when you just spent a second round draft pick and this is your receiving core right now. As I'm, underrated as it may be, there is still not a clear produce. No, no one on this team has produced an entire season. None of them. So not at least not in the last five years. Yeah, <laughs> Shepard's the only one, but it hasn't yeah, been like yeah. high production. Um, Jalen Hyatt, like he's going to be the Gabriel Davis of this Brian Dable offense. And you're going to see him. He's going to be stretching the defense. He's going to be getting the deep shots. He's the one that's going to be, you know, getting some high. He's not going to get a lot of volume, but he's going to get some high air yards because of the volume that he's, the way that he's used. Um, then yeah, He's going to do things for that offense, like from a football perspective, way more than he does for a fantasy football perspective. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see him getting, you know, getting 10 targets a game, but he's probably going to have, you know, 100 air yards a game. Yep. And so, you know, probably a good best ball target or eventually a good best ball target once we kind of get some clarity here. But they used too, too high of a draft pick on him. And if you watch the Giants put a video out of, you know, what they were doing in the third round, they thought that the Jets were going to take their corner or their, their center. And so they, when they said, all right, well, Michael Schmitz is going to get off the board. We'll just take Hyatt. And then when Schmitz was there, because Dable was pissed, Schmitz was there. He was pumped. He got his center because he wanted his starting center. And he was like, all right, well, you know, we'll figure it out. And then they traded up to get Jalen Hyatt. They used some pretty decent picks to go get Hyatt because they wanted both. Yep. And so they wanted to take Hyatt in the second round. So they were very high on him. I don't think that someone they're very high on is going to get – 28 targets in 17 games. I just don't see that happening. And he's just too explosive a player. But the guy that a lot of people are saying is going to be the Giants' leading target is Darren Waller. And, Brad, do you see that number on the side there? I do indeed. Number four. Number four. And I know a lot of people are, are out on Darren Waller. But I'm in. I'm in. And I – I looked at Darren Waller and I was writing a sell article and I was trying to see why I'm going to sell Darren Waller. So what am I going to look at? All right. His is yards per route down. Nope. They were up. All right. Let's see air yards. Okay. They were good too. Yards after catch. Good too. I'm like, this guy didn't lose a step. He got like better. Like this, this guy is played really well. He only played a couple games in the beginning of the season, a couple games at the end of the season. So it didn't feel like this guy played well, and you just didn't really remember him doing much. But he was getting the targets, he was getting the air yards, and he was producing when he was on the field. And the Giants spent a good pick on him, on a guy that's pretty expensive. And DeAndre Hopkins couldn't get a, you know, they couldn't get a deal done for DeAndre Hopkins or Dalvin Cook. Those guys. So Darren Waller, I do think he has something left. Tight end four, that's a little rich for me. Um, but I, I have him probably at the seven or eight spot this year, maybe the six, because I do think he's going to be the featured point of this offense. And I, I think he does eclipse that 100 target mark. And there's only a handful of tight ends that get the 100 targets. And if you're a top two target on your offense, that's really a path to being a top six tight end. And he's probably the number one. Yeah, what do you think, Brad? Yeah, hitting that hundred target mark—that is the—that's you're almost solidified to be a top five tight end. Uh, so four to me makes sense if if you believe that he will be healthy for a big for an entire season and play 15, 16, 17 games and get those hundred targets. I think everything about this projection makes sense. Leading the team in targets, leading the team in receptions, leading the team in yardage leading the team in touchdowns, all of those things I think are 100% within the realm of possibility without really stretching your imagination at all. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, absolutely. The health is definitely the biggest question. What's up Insano? Appreciate you checking in. Um, and, and what about incredible Hulk there behind Aaron Waller and Daniel Bellinger? Um, this guy, this, this picture that the giants media, I mean, there's no way he didn't get a random P P test after that. <laughs> this dude, this dude, looks freaking jacked. I mean, last Did you year, see the side by side last year to this year. Yeah. yeah, it was like the guy that she told you not to worry about, and then the guy now, like, yeah, uh, like this is Mr. Steal Your Girl. And um, last year he got like a pretty severe injury to the eye. Like somebody went to punch the ball out, and they, you know, they definitely uh, they broke his eye socket. And um, you know, it was unfortunate last year, but you know, with uh, you know, with Bellinger, he had a pretty decent year for a rookie tight end. And I think he can, you know, I think he can, uh, he can be a piece of his offense. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be some of the, do some of the blocking, do some of the different things, you know, uh, that, that the Giants can need him to do when they run two person, you know, two tight end personnel. Brad, what's going on over there? I not nothing. Here's we're just gonna we're gonna show people because this is good enough to just show people. So let me share my screen here real. Quick. Oh yeah, do it. So here's Daniel Bellinger. Last year, this little picture on the right here, right? This is this is Daniel Bellinger last year. Here is Daniel Bellinger in this season. Where's the picture at? Right here, next to Spider Man. Look at it. Look, this is not, <laughs> like that's like you said. That is piss test waiting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks like Christian McCaffrey, but the fact is that he's six four, two hundred and fifty pounds, and he's <laughs> yeah. yoked up. Oh, so, um, yeah, Daniel <laughs> Bellinger definitely got bit by a spider, um, or something. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's go on to the cowgirls and get out of here. All righty. Let's, uh, let's talk about them cowboys. And, uh, they had a pretty, pretty good off season. So, uh, Maddie, daddy, that cowgirls comment was for you. Um, Brandon cooks via trade. Then they had uh, Chuma Adoga. They have Stefan Gilmore. They have Ronald Jones, and they have Trent Seg, which is a long long snapper. B minus. I still think there's potential they add another running back. We'll get to the running backs here in a second. Hell no, hell no, he isn't. Um, and then um, then then you have their draft. They got a C plus from PFF. Um, and Mozzie Smith was a D lineman that a lot of people liked. He's a strong dude. A lot of people, I talked to a lot of linemen at the combine and asked him who was the toughest guy you faced. And a lot of them said Mozzie Smith. Um, and he's a tough, strong dude, but they used their first round pick on him. And a lot of people had him as a second round projected guy. They also, they took Luke Schoenmacher. Uh, or yeah, Schoenmacher at the, uh, the the second round, and so back to back Michigan Wolverines. Then they got uh, Overshawn, the linebacker from uh, Texas. Then they got Viliami Fahoku, uh, edge. Then they got Asim Richards, a tackle. Eric Scott, corner. Deuce Vaughn, one of the most fun. I don't like the Cowboys, but I thought this was really cool. Deuce Vaughn. One of their area scouts or one of their scouts, their dad, his, his dad, the dad of Deuce Vaughn got to call him and tell him he's being drafted. Pretty special moment. And then Jalen Brooks, wide receiver. So Dak Prescott, you know, he's he easy to hate on. Easy to hate on. But Dak Prescott, you know, he hurt his thumb last year and it really did you know, hurt him. Not only did he miss some games, but he came back early and it was very similar to, you know, Russell Wilson, where he came back with a hand injury, obviously did not look like himself. He could barely grip a football. And then two weeks later, he's starting an NFL football game and he's, he comes back and he's got a better, probably better, better set of weapons than he did the year before. So the difference at the play caller, Mike McCarthy is going to be calling the place. Sorry, I got this light in my face. Uh, Mike McCarthy's me calling the plays and you got no Ezekiel Elliott. Everything else is kind of the same except for Dalton Schultz. Um, you add Brandon cooks, you remove Dalton Schultz from the equation. Um, so you have Dak Prescott, 
He's got 4,000 yards passing, 26 yards, uh, 26 touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, QB 11. If you're in a one quarterback league, is Dak a quarterback that you're excited about for your number one quarterback? I've been fine with Dak for a couple seasons. Uh, look, I know, you know, Nathan says prove it. You got to put up or shut up. I've been okay with his, from a fantasy perspective, his fantasy production when he is playing is legit. It's it's top 12 all day, every day. You can trust him in damn near every type of situation. So uh, it, the, the health is the question. The last two seasons, he's had an issue with that. We hope to see a full season from Dak. And if you do, I'm sorry, but 4,100 yards and 26 touchdowns is way down for me. You add an extremely underrated wide receiver in Brandon Cooks, another year removed from an ACL injury with Michael Gallup. You still have one of the best receivers in the league, in my opinion, in C.D. Lamb, and you still have some athletic guys, maybe not game changers, but some athletic guys at the tight end position as well. I think you could see a really nice year from Dak, and he is absolutely somebody I'm trusting as my top quarterback going into the season. So Tony Pollard, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about Tony Pollard was used the way he was used because Dallas Cowboys really didn't think that he could hold up to a full workload. Well, Mike Clay gave him a healthy workload. He's getting a Saquon Barkley workload with almost 300 touches. Anyone that traded for Tony Pollard last year is looking at this and is excited. What I'm going to say is I am, I am, this is a team that is going to add another running back. I just feel it. I don't know if Dalvin Cook goes there, but Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, uh, Daryl Henderson, somebody else is going to end up on this roster. I don't think Ronald Jones is going to be their number two. Um, and honestly, I think Malik Willis, or Malik, Malik Willis, Malik Davis played better than Ronald Jones last year, and he's got a better shot at it. Um, Brad, what do you think? What are your thoughts here? We see Tony Ballard, Tony Pollard's projections. I just how I don't understand how you can project somebody coming off of a broke ass fibula to carry the ball 250 times. I it just doesn't. I'm not buying it. Uh, I I get it. You want him to have that production without an Ezekiel Elliott there. But the simple fact that matters, this guy's coming off a major football injury for a running back. And that I just don't see 250 carries in his future. Yeah, I think it was he. He definitely said he you know, sprained or something. He broke it, broke his ankle. And uh, yeah, I just there's too many good broke running backs. In the board. Was, I thought he broke his leg. Yeah, he broke his leg, but oh, he also okay. like right. um, had an ankle injury as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with you know with the running backs, you know if Tony Pollard were to go down. Right now, they have Ronald Jones as the second running back on on there. It's uh, I just think they're going to add somebody. The receivers: Ceedee Lamb, Brandon Cooks. Uh, Brandon Cooks is a little older, uh, but Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup are. It's a pretty good three right there, and it's hard to look at that three receivers and then not like Dak Prescott this year, as well as Tony Pollard, who offers quite a bit in the passing game. Um. CeeDee Lamb, I said he was going to be a top five receiver last year. He ended up wide receiver six. They got him at wide receiver six. Is CeeDee Lamb in your wide receiver one for 2023? Absolutely. Yeah. I am an absolute fan of CeeDee Lamb. Um, Would I take him number one right now over the likes of Justin Jefferson? No, I, I, I can't. I can't do that. Um, but I'm not going to chastise anybody for saying, Hey, I like CD lamb over JJ and I'm going to take them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm, meant not, like, I'm not there yet, but I, I could see a world where he's top three, maybe top three. Wide I, I just meant as the wide receiver one on your fantasy. Team. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent happy with that. And yeah, I, there's no question asked there. Yeah. I wasn't putting him, I wasn't putting him up there as the wide receiver one overall. Dude, I'm like, extraordinarily high on CD lamb right now. Well, I'm not there. I'm not there yet, 
but <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't think he's too far off. Brandon Cooks, then you got Michael Gap, like you said, second year off an ACL. Athletes usually play better that second year. Now they're more confident and not thinking about it so much. And, um, you know, that was a major injury. And it was super late in the year, two years ago, for Michael Gallup to have that injury. And it was kind of surprising that the Cowboys gave him the extension while he was hurt, and then they let Mari Cooper go. And this team really struggled, not only on the offensive line, but really struggled without Amari Cooper. And they needed to bring a veteran presence, and that's why Brandon Cooks is there. Brandon Cooks is always cheap, and this year is probably just as cheap as ever, if not cheaper, because he's not the number one. Is Brandon Cooks someone that you would be targeting in your dynasty rosters? Could be had for, you know, I'm not sure how many trades pulled up or anything, but you probably get Brandon Cooks for a late second, early third. Uh, 100%, I would take Brandon Cooks right now on my fantasy team. I think this is... You know, there's there's a few wide receiver cores that I think could produce multiple thousand yard receivers, and this is one of them. I, th- you know, you see Brandon Cooks for year after year after year after year was getting thousand yard receiving seasons, even even after changing season, changing teams. Uh, and I think this is you know short of not short of that. He's going to a team where he doesn't have to be the alpha like he did when he first went to uh, New England or when he first went to Houston afterwards. He gets to be a secondary target behind C.D. Lamb with a guy who's going to throw for 45, 4,600 yards and no tight end to really speak of. So I think Brandon Cooks is absolutely a steal, specifically in contending type situations. Obviously, you don't want to go buy a 29-year-old receiver if you're rebuilding. But if you're in a contending situation, I think he's a really cheap buy that can help your team. Yeah. And so looking at the tight ends, I mean, you're looking at Jake Ferguson. Uh, you got yeah, Peyton Hendershot. You got Lou Schumacher. Well, what do you what are your thoughts here about um this tight end room? You think you think that that Luke's gonna be the guy? I think Luke might be the guy. I, I mean, look. We saw a mixture of Ferguson and Hendershot when Schultz was out and all that, but nothing that really jumped off the page at you. Um, Luke Shoemaker really started to move up my draft board specifically later in the draft season, pre-draft. He ended up as my tight end five uh, by the time we got to the NFL draft, and I believe he came off the board as number, was it five or six? Right in around that range. Uh, in draft capital as well at the tight end position. And I think when you look at that skill set, you look at the pedigree, I think he's going to be able to step in and kind of be the starting tight end for this. Now, is that going to turn into a bunch of volume? I just don't think so because I really like Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, and C.D. Lamb. And I think Dak Prescott's going to carry those three and not necessarily a tight end because he lost kind of the security blanket that he really enjoyed in Dalton Schultz. Now I think that's going to shift to probably Brandon Cooks, if I had to guess. Uh, and these tight ends are going to be kind of left out to dry. Yeah, because they run a lot of 12 personnel, not a lot of 11 personnel last year. And we'll see. I don't have McCarthy's, uh, you know, what he's traditionally done. But, you know, tr- I believe McCarthy has traditionally had 11 personnel out there. So you're having three receivers, one, you know, three receivers and one tight end. 12 personnel, two receivers, two tight ends. And, you know, with, you know, with this team, if Brandon Cooks does that, he's going to eat into the tight ends as far as their production because he's going to be operating in slot and in that part of the – and that also, you know, would give some flexibility with C.D. Lamb because C.D. Lamb and Cooks can operate on the outside and operate in the slot. So that's the NFC East. Uh, we will uh, we'll definitely uh, – finish up the nfc next week got some great guests coming up go ahead you want to end with a couple trades real quick with brandon cooks you asked about it yeah let's do it can help a little bit would you rather have brandon cooks or damian harris new running back for the buffalo bills brandon cooks would you rather have brandon cooks or tyler algier a guy who might touch the ball 50 times yeah brandon cooks would you rather have brandon cooks or mike gesicki Brandon Cooks. 
We Which talked about my, my disdain for Mike Kosicki last week. <laughs> I wouldn't take Mike Kosicki either. So, would you rather have Brandon Cooks or a 2024 third? Cooks, if I'm a contender. That's why I'm like, he's so affordable right now. And I'll tell you what, I might change my, my attitude. Because I said if you're a rebuild team, I wouldn't take him. Look, if I had Damon Harris on my team and I was a rebuild, I'm going to get Brandon Cooks because I think Brandon Cooks is going to draw more value in season than Damian Harris is going to. So maybe Brandon Cooks is just a buy all around. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I and mean, he's an, any of these older receivers, older players are always, you know, they're, the value is never going to go up. Um, but to Brad's point, you can get him for a third now and flip him for a second later. Um, but the value, as far as like he's. He's, he, next year is going to be older. Next offseason will not go up. But yep. in season, when somebody needs a, a wide receiver three and there's 10 teams on bye, they might, they might you know, go after Cooks. And Gallup has struggled to stay healthy. If, if Gallup does not stay healthy, then, you know, Brandon Cooks could even see even more targets. If Tony Pollard was, you know, they could see even more targets. So, um with uh, you know, with Brandon Cooks, I definitely think, especially in your three receiver, you know, leagues, he's someone that you can go target. Um, we have some big guests coming up the next couple weeks. We got Eric Moody coming on from ESPN. We also got from NFL Network Marcus Grant and Michael F. Florio. We'll have to get some Mac Miller playing for that episode, and uh, we we. Definitely have some great guests lined up for the rest of the offseason. So make sure you guys hit that subscriber button and make sure that you uh, you know leave us that review. Brad, anything else for you out of here? Hey, look, I'm going to give another shout out because I was right last night with the Denver Nuggets plus two and a half or minus two and a half using the edge boost winning 78 bucks on a $20 bet. I was very excited uh, because I, I'm a lowly better. I'm not one of these guys throw a couple hundred bucks on anything crazy like that. But make sure you check out Edge Boost and the double down of the day. And this is going to be for Friday's game between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. And again, I'm taking the Denver Nuggets this time a little bit bigger, minus three and a half. Again, double down and basically over triple your bet. So make sure you check out Edge Boost. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. All right. As always, good luck this season. Cheers. Good boy. He does good boy. He does good boy. He does good boy. <laughs>